have do, do you know what a centaur is? Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what is a centaur? It's a half man, half uh, horse. See, no. I, I see. Wait. I hear. I hear people saying that, and it just seems mathematically incorrect. Because when you look at one, like they're about like eighty percent horse and fifty percent human. I it's, think that those, yeah. that that's that's a more accurate representation the, of what a centaur is. The the way I would describe a centaur in, in better terms is to say it's a horse, but the horse's neck and head have been replaced with the torso uh, and uh, the upper half of a human being. Yeah, and, and I just don't like people being inaccurate about this. <laughs> it's important, right? Because I I mean I don't know I I haven't got my hands on a centaur to measure them to tell you in terms of weight and height how how much is horse versus human but we can safely say 50% human and i would say 80 to 85% horse <laughs> so i like the fact that you said you say like to get your hands on a centaur as though they're centaurs around wild throughout the state of ohio well no we don't have any centaurs here which is you know part of the problem I was kind of hoping that they would have some out in California. They didn't have any here either. <laughs> well, I we're but gonna... I, al- I also have another experiment. I want to go to Africa and okay. uh, and measure giraffes because, by my estimation, giraffes are half horse and then an- another horse on top of that. Giraffes so are like, actually so two, like, two horses. Like a hundred, yeah, like a hundred percent horse plus more horse leg and neck. So like twenty five percent horse neck, twenty five percent horse legs, and then a hundred percent horse on top of that. But the but the neck is in in length, not in width. So you're gonna you can actually take the the width of a horse's neck and remove that, but then elongate it and put it back on top. Because yeah, horses' see, necks is, are not that thin. No, this gets complicated. Yes, I can tell. But I was about to say. With the centaur calculation, we're talking about an 130 to 135 percent being. I find it, you which know, seems what, mathematically I, weird and scientifically uh, uh, fa- uh, fa- uh, scientific fallacy. I don't know. Well, I didn't make centaurs, David. God well, did. <laughs> it's well, funny because if, um, if a centaur sh- was, <laughs> go ahead, Kayla. I'm sorry. Well. Because Chelsea's messaging me right now, and uh, I told her, oh, we're recording a UCA. And she's like, oh, is that why Brandon's not texting me back? <laughs> because he's flirting with David. And I'm like, well, talking about centaurs does, uh, might count as flirting. So, Well, we are talking about horses and people. So, you know, just a typical what? Saturday night. What if, you, what if you see a centaur and, like, the centaur is flirting you up? And then he has like a, a small penis where his neck should be, and and you're just like, I don't know, I don't think you're well endowed enough. It's like, no, 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 that's just that's just the front one. There's one in the back. It's it's, it's impressive. <laughs> don't worry. Wait, how is the centaur communicating if its head is a dick? No, at where it's where it, a horse head would be is where the dick is, and then it goes on up to the rest of the human body. So there's... I need a di- I need a diagram to explain this. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I, and I don't really want there to be a diagram. So artists out there, this is the artists out there. Gonna... Artists definitely don't 
withdraw the thing I just said. Please. God, no. Um, you know, satyrs make a lot more sense because satyrs are actually half goat, half person when you think about it, right? Like, you can't... Satyrs are not hard to confuse because they got the lower, like, legs of a goat and they have the upper body of a person. But then again, they're probably more, like, 95. I don't know. Anyway. See, see, you're already complicating them more. I'm going to stick by my earlier assessment. Welcome to Undercooked Analysis, where we try to understand... Uh, what centaurs look like. <laughs> yeah, where we try and understand mythical beings like centaurs and satyrs and giraffes. <laughs> um, and zebras. And Ze- Zebras are a myth. They just painted the horses different exactly. colors. Exactly. You know, Marco Polo said he once saw a unicorn while, you know, going down the, uh, you know, the Silk Road. Um, today they say it's uh, a rhinoceros that he saw. But no, I like to think he just saw a uh, a unicorn with a really intense body armor, and that's basically what rhinoceros are. All right, yeah, basically they're just unicorns with body armor. Um, I'm David, and my favorite mythological creature is the goblin because they don't like books and uh, are afraid of dogs and horses. Those are Pathfinder's goblins. I like I would, I would say mine is the Yukiona. All right, Dead Palette's favorite is the Yukiona. Uh Kayla? Uh my name is Kayla Berry. Um what is my favorite mythical creature? I mean, I would like my own pet dragon. Because I want to ride into work on a dragon. <laughs> would it be like Pete's dragon, or would it be more like a uh, like an actual like fire breathing, scary looking dragon? I'm thinking more like Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon. Oh then man, that's that is like dragon waifu, man. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And the best part is, I would train it to eat fish because I live by the ocean, so. Uh, it'll wake up in the mornings and just go fishing before uh, coming back to me and letting me pet it and letting me ride into work. And then nobody at work would fuck with me because <laughs> I have a dragon. You'll scare Mickey Rooney to death. He'll run See, into a what, bar screaming. This is why you need to watch Dragon Maid because it's got all of the dragon waifus. Yeah, this uh, you know this sounds more and more promising the more you describe it. I, I tell you people. Uh, Kobayashi San no Chi Maid Dragon is like the goddamn best. <laughs> Although I think to fit with my whole bird theme that I got going on, I do have a perchance to love a uh, love for the phoenix because I do like what it stands for, and that's a fucking pretty bird. I'm not gonna lie. Phoenix is a good choice. I could have sent a really obscure, a more obscure uh, creature like a uh, like a, a brownie. Or a kobold. <laughs> or an oof. I think my favorite mythological person is the Baba Yaga, but that's neither here nor there. So this is a show, for those of you who are new, this is a show where we're supposed to talk about creepypasta and other bits of horror fiction. But increasingly more and more we want to talk about uh, just other random topics like mythological creatures and the mathematics behind what parts of what make them up. Because oftentimes we get to the story and we just get sad and bored Mm -hmm. and tired Mm. and this is almost more fun now but we might be on to something good tonight um 
Today is another edition of Patron's Poison, and our story today comes to us courtesy of our patron, Bazo. Uh, Bazo writes, I've always thought this one was one of the best creepypasta out there, and the most underrated and underappreciated of that. at that. It combines believable historical information with supernatural elements really well, and it has had multiple visuals that have stuck with me since reading it. It has three parts, so it's pretty long. But I'll just leave the first part up so you can see what you think of it. Uh, the story we are reading, the first part of, is called The Puppet Master's Regime. Now, the funny part is, for the first time, I think, in a UCA, I have actually read this, and none of you guys have. Yeah, I think this, is, I think this is a first. Which, because, uh, I mean... One of, I mean, one of the things that Dave and I do both do is like we've read through creepy bastas um, to figure out, uh, oh, what would be a good Midnight Marinara? And uh, I did read this one because I was trying to think because one of the, at the time I was trying to find a good doll story, which uh, ended up being Ichbar Bickelstein, which you also uh, wrote the initial draft of as well. Y- yeah, so. Um, um, this was actually one of the ones that came into my view, and um, I, I will say this: the way it's written, I don't think could work as Midnight Marinara. Like, it, 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 it'd be hard to make this into a Midnight Marinara. But from what I remember, it actually is good. So, okay. Well, we got a lot of praise for this story. Yeah. So. Uh... <laughs> setting expectations pretty high will it meet them mm-hmm. let's see all right have you ever heard of the musical the puppet masters regime most likely you haven't in fact most diehard theater lovers are often unfamiliar with this little production it was a 1934 stage musical written by anonymous authors of the music lyrics and book it starred upcoming performers such as timmy cutie pie wright sally wilkes henry gregory as well as many others at the time, it was the most expensive show to date. It was said to be the biggest, most spectacular stage show to San Francisco and back. Okay. Um, so we have our opening paragraph. Uh, I like lost history kind of stuff. That That is something I'm a fan of. And I do feel is, is rather underutilized. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I, I really liked about... Um, uh, the blue creepypasta we read. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it kind of had that going on. Right. Too bad that we had to confirm that the, the murder rates did not, in fact, double. Yeah, well, I mean, you can only have your history go, your history serve you so far, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Uh, from the Testament of Tyler Warwick, 1901 to 1983. I went to see the show about a week after I turned 33. The ticket uh, was a gift from my sister, who knew how much I loved the theater. I remember the signs. They were huge and rather gaudy. Oh, and the playbill. It was just a simple red dot with a doll-like face on it. It seemed a bit melancholy for what I assumed to be a musical comedy, but I didn't pay much attention. I was going to see a Broadway show. Um, so that's um, disconcerting in the most minute way possible. Mm-hmm. It's not overbearing. It's just like something is off about that. 
Right. As astute like readers of the genre, we already know, we can already see the signs, and anybody who you know goes into this knowing it's horror is going to have seen the signs. But it's hopefully going to take it take the take the pacing nice and you know slow like this. You know what I mean? Like we have a steady, uh, gradual build up to whatever uh, horrors await us in this uh, narrative. Yeah, if you were handed this out of the blue, someone just handed this on to on this to you on the street uh, and put a camera in your face and asked you what genre this is, you probably would not have a good chance of getting it right. Mm-hmm. And that's usually uh, the way I like horror to be presented, where it doesn't start out very strongly. It's got to have a buildup. It's got to be more effective. You've got to kind of get eased into it, even if you know uh, what you're trying to read. Yeah, the, see, creepypasta is a lot like, uh, 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 you know, Chance the Stallion. <laughs> and I, I think uh, you guys probably noticed why it wouldn't work as a Midnight Marinara, because the rest of these are all testaments of people who are there. So, because uh, what it feels like uh, is, like, basically someone found these testaments and put them together to to get a actual story of what happened with this uh, puppet master's regime. Do we know? We don't know who our um, our narrator is yet, though, do we? Or why they're compiling this information? No. It's very encyclopedic right now, but and not that's super a, encyclopedic. I, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to say that's what it, but that's the, that's going to be the style throughout the whole thing. There's you, you're not going to know who your narrator is. This is. And that's, that's not a bad thing. It's just something I, I'm, I'm pointing out right out the gate. Okay. The cast was made completely of new people. Oh, sorry. Let me, uh, from the Testament of Georgina long, 1911 to 1984, the cast was com- made completely of new people. Young children and adults alike who were longing to get back on stage after vaudeville became old news. It was quite charming, really, but it did take a bit of notice to that odd little playbill. All the playwrights and lyricists and everyone was all unnamed, and that design? It was a little red drop with a peculiar little face in it. Not even a title, just a little red dot. I had come to New York with my parents on an impromptu vacation with my after my grandmother had died. A Broadway musical just seemed just like what we needed. Why is there an ellipses in uh, parentheses? I think the intention was that there's more said, but I think they did it wrong. Oh. I, I, I think it's just, it's, because I, I think the feel of it is supposed to be like uh, someone who did collect all these testaments. Okay. But, um, and it's supposed to feel more like a, uh, like um, a scholar wrote this. But I think they did it wrong. Hmm. I think they just added it as a way to say, oh, no, there's more to the what this testament, this person wrote in their testament. It feels like a footnote. Like, it feels like something you should click on, and then it expands it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, it was incorrect, incorrectly done. But um, I think it serves its purpose, at least. Mm, definitely. Um, from the Testament of Carl Hannigan, 1920 to 1993. I do recall most of the first act. Then again, who could forget? The story was a little hard to follow at first. There was a little boy who lived in a puppet shop, or maybe he lived down the street. 
No, no, he worked in the puppet shop, but he was homeless. So they provided him with a home there. The kid's name was Mori... Mordin... Something weird. Oh, yes, it was Moritum. No, Moritur. Moritur, yes. Anyways, Moritur's employer was this old man named Mr. Ob Obiscor. Obsis... Ob... <laughs> Mr. Fantasy name. Mr. Ob Mr. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Omnic Crisis. Mr. Obsisor. I remember his name because his character was unima unimaginably unsettling. Bouncing all around and getting angry at the, and the little boy. Like, getting angry and the little boy, all while keeping this nasal, giggleish voice. Anyhow, the production opened... I'll steal it! They'll never know! <laughs> I'd forgotten about that meme, but then again, that's the, one of the best memes ever, so how could I forget? Anyhow, the production opened to Mortar and the odd fellow getting into an argument over the boy not doing his work. But then two of them sang this peculiar number about puppets. It wasn't a normal song, or at least the musicality wasn't normal. The lyrics were very enchanting, and the music did this odd flowing thing about the room. Instruments would get very quiet without losing any power to it. Maybe it was just the acoustics? I'm not likely I'm most likely explaining it all wrong. Oh well. But in time we got used to it, and the show progressed. Okay. The kid's name was um Janice or Jade or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh if this was like some weird this if this if this was revealed to be like some weird origin story for Candle Cove, then I would dismiss it immediately because um, I'm going to make a statement right now. I am not crazy about the idea of there being any sequels to Candle Cove. And I know there's some of of more or less like quality writing than others, but um, I'm not a fan of the idea that there's more to it than that because the story is so self-contained. So the fact that there's a whole established mythos out there about Candle Cove is uh, really weird and contradictory, I think, to the original intent. But but that being said, I'm not going to fault anybody for writing sequels to Candle Cove if they were so enchanted by it. I'm not sure why I felt the need to say that right now, but I just felt like I needed to get that out there eventually. So, yeah. You needed to regurgitate the points I've made. That, that I've belabored a million times. Yes, uh, but I've given it some thought because recently... <laughs> recently what? Recently, um, I was like... Uh, there, so we had a little a little war on... Not a little war. We had a little fun thing on Twitter, which was the hashtag... hashtag uh, pasta hacks in four words. And oh, one yeah. of the things I said was no Candle Cove sequels. And a couple of people were like, no... <laughs> <laughs> I like Candle Cove sequels, and I thought, well, to each their own. But I remembered the conversations we'd had about that before. Uh, and Universally. You'll say that some of them might be good writing. I'll say universally they can't be good writing because they missed the entire point of what the original story was <laughs> and retcon all of it out. So when you're retconning, the entire point of the story, which is it was static and it wasn't real and saying, oh, here's the details of the production and shit, uh, then you've entirely missed the point. And so you don't actually like Candle Cove. You <laughs> like your own weird interpretation of it that doesn't make any sense. They like the Candle Cove uh, cinematic universe. 
Oh. The CCCU. Uh, oh, man. All right. <laughs> so, uh, the testament of Gabriel Johnston, uh, 1919 to 1976. That's be- that's peculiar that they're giving us uh, birth and death dates. Is, do you think there's going to be a payoff to that? This seems like a detail we got to pay attention to. Maybe. Maybe it's just useless, uh, you know, fluff. It's just Fleming effect. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, this youngster, Mori, Moriter, something like that, was quite insecure about his stay in the puppet shop. Very paranoid that his boss would throw him out. I was an aspiring lyricist at the time. And I've done the lyrics to a few original community theater projects. So I was fascinated with the wording in these songs. They scribbled down a few lyrics after I'd went home. I scribbled down a few lyrics after I went home. I'd, unless I'm remembering wrong, the little puppet uh, shop boy and Mr. Obi something was an introductory duet. Then, and then, a mortar went off and had a short lament in a different, much more somber tune. Who wants to sing this? I can't sing, so I'll state it. <laughs> no, I, I, I got this. If I stay, <laughs> I do everything right I can, live in the day, and steer, stay clear of the night. Out here in the night, in the dark, in there, there's a world of lies. Lies? I can hear them whisper, and sometimes I can see their eyes. Um, so, so here it says, steer, and then in parentheses, question mark, stay, and wise, parentheses, question mark, lies. Because uh, I think what they're saying is this person isn't sure what the lyrics were. Right, he's recalling them from memory. Mm-hmm. So if we, if you remember, it, it this was from 1934, and apparently it was on Broadway for a very very short time. So, See, and we're the, not. The, this ahead. is a this is a good gimmick for having uh, lost history. So for Candle Cove, the explanation as to why there's no video of Candle Cove is the show didn't exist. It was a mass hallucination. Mm-hmm. Or, or something of that nature, a supernatural hallucination. Uh, it's left open to inter- interpretation. And then you have The Art of Jacob Emery, where um, the evidence of supernatural fiction was, spoiler, burnt down. And so that's why there's no evidence and, of, of that. And it was also, uh, there was a government uh, cover-up. Yes. Um, and it, the way they write it is very plausible. That can be a... a a hornetsness to navigate as well but this <laughs> is um just this is a broadway thing and kind of a niche thing so it's nicheness is kind of what's giving it the lost quality to it right and I, that's the reason we're going to be drawing a lot of comparisons to like candle cove and to um uh, jacob emery and a few other ones i can imagine they'll come to mind in this because this is uh this is this is interesting so far. I like I kind of like the way it's building up because it's the it's the memory, it's the recollection, and then one of the I, this is a detail I like already. People seem at least so far people seem to be struggling with uh, Moritur's name, like trying to remember what it was. 
Yeah, I'd imagine it's what it would be like if um, rural people in like the 1930s were shown an episode of an anime, <laughs> and they're just like Naruto, Naruto. I can't well, remember something about toes, ninja info cards, <laughs> <laughs> Sasuke, <laughs> Sasuke. Um. The eyes comment confused me for a moment, but then I assumed he was meaning the stars. It seemed as though the number was unnecessarily tragic or poorly situated within the show, but it was a minor quibble. Um, now, Morator had a girlfriend named... Girlfriend is two words for some reason. Named Tar Hunt, and a boyfriend, again, two words. Tar named Hunt? Tra Hunt? Trahunt. Trahunt. These are... Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, uh, Trahunt. And a, bo- and a boy named Abel Dolabit. Adolbit. Adolbit. So these... Adele, these... after interrupting the final note in his lament, they all gushed about how much they loved puppets, and they couldn't afford one from Monteur's Guardian shop. So they transitioned into a vibrant little song about joining forces to raise money so they could afford to build their own puppet. After this, uh, all three headed for school, and the story took a sharp turn in a different direction. I think they intentionally uh, put a space between the girl and friend because it's not his actual girlfriend. Like, they're not dating. It's a friend that's a girl. He had a girlfriend and a boyfriend. Unless mm-hmm. this is one interesting relationship. How I'm old are it. these kids? <laughs> it's okay, it's fiction. Yeah, no, um, it's, it is fiction. In the 1930s, though? Are you saying they didn't have fiction in the 1930s? Nope. You know what I'm saying oh. is they didn't have role-playing games in the 1930s, and these role-playing game names are very strange to me. <laughs> Trahunt. You go into the darkness and you see a puppet. <laughs> what do you do? I cast magic missile. <laughs> magic missile. Uh, so do you think? So so we're assuming that Moritor is not uh, fucking this this girlfriend in the Trahunt. <laughs> <laughs> Nor well, no more than he's uh, fucking his, this boyfriend in the Adelbit. And <laughs> <In> the Adelbits. <laughs> Hello. I- is it me? Oh, look. It, I'm assuming this is supposed to take place like in another country that I'm not knowing. Or is it just a fantasy town? I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like I almost, like, I can't help but picture when they say puppet shop and the people's names, I can't help but picture like freaking uh, Pinocchio, like something. Yeah. And, and of course you think Italy. And... Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Pinocchio. Uh, after several attempts to begin again, now they had this really nasty teacher or headmistress named Madame Perio or something like that. Um, wait, 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 you just finished your paragraph. Hmm? Oh no, no, no! Uh, this, we, I thought we were we were each taking a. Uh, a oh, testament. I am so sorry. I didn't realize that. Although there's one testament at the end, like the last one. I'm scrolling ahead a little bit. Is really really long, so we might take that one in paragraph by paragraph. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. Uh, Master Aperio, or something like that. Madame Aperio, or something like that. They have a 
reprise of the song from before, and she overheard them. And at first, her remarks about children's fantasies were somewhat comical. But then they, the light fixed on her, and she sang this heartbreaking little song. What the song was about was up for interpretation. It was somewhat about love, but it had all of these strange Muppet, meta- Muppet metaphors. Muppet! <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm, so everyone knows, I saw puppet metaphors, and I think I was about to say Muppet pedophores. <laughs> okay. What is, uh, now I think when I hear pedophore, I think it's like a pedophile. <laughs> That sounds like a song out of that sounds like a, a lyric out of the like modern major general song from uh, Pirates of Penzance, you know, pedophile. Oh I don't know if we have uh, pedophilia on the mind or what, but I think that is where the song is going to go, since it's like it's up to interpretation and about kids and love. Um, the only oh lyric, shit yeah, the only lyric that stayed with me is "Stroll through the wood cracks, show them your pain." the hole in your throat, and the strings in your veins. Ooh. So this, um, I think what we're getting is that this is probably set in America or England, and then the um, play itself is set in uh It's on European Broadway. Country. Brandon, yeah, it's so, on Broadway, so they're in New York. Okay. Because uh, otherwise the rhyme wouldn't make sense, because the rhyme doesn't translate. Um then she went into this little breakdown. I assume it was poorly conceived. Uh, it was. Mm, I assumed it was a poorly conceived tr- character trait. She started singing off key and went to beat one of the kids. The curtain fell and there was a scuffle heard on stage. People whispered to each other, but a rising new orchestra pierced the silence. Pierce. Peace. Peace. A rising new orchestra piece silenced us. Okay. But a rising new orchestra pierce silenced us. All right. Oh my God. The curtain rose, and we again, uh, and we were right outside the puppet shop. Uh, the only lyric that stayed with me was, "Why are there so many songs about rainbows?" <laughs> Maybe we'll find it. The, the pedophilia connection. <laughs> oh God. From the Testament of Louis Roberts, 1905 to 1967. You know, these testaments, um, obviously they're not interviews because, and must have been collected because, um, I mean, I'm assuming this is like how old they were to when they died. Well, uh, birth to death, sorry. Yeah. So. um, That's the the new Kingdom Hearts game coming out. Kingdom Hearts 2.5, Birth to Death. That sounds like a... (laughs) Do they, you know, they periodically re-release these games in, like, these big collections. And I don't know much about what's going on, but is it every new edition just, like, the same games, but with, like, another mini-story game tacked onto it? No, because they add new boss fights and new content and stuff. But you have to buy the same same game every time. Well, now they're putting all of the uh, mobile games onto them as well. Oh. So now the new additions come with the mobile games for everyone that doesn't have a (laughs) Nintendo handheld and 
is a Sony fanboy, which is not a whole lot of people. That was a poor decision on their part. <laughs> and they're trying to rectify it now by re-releasing the game 50 well, million fucking times. Yeah, that's, yep. but I always like it. It's like Kingdom Hearts 2, uh, like 3.75 HD remix, birth death, slash restored. Horse Mask Edition. To, you know, and you really got to appreciate Kingdom Hearts to keep buying into those <laughs> Oh man, I, I I recently saw a lecture on Kingdom Hearts that was really cool. Yeah, it was just three hours of this guy rambling about how ridiculous Kingdom Hearts is. You gotta you gotta link that to me uh, when we're done here because I'd like to watch that. Same. I, as someone who did actually play Kingdom Hearts one and Kingdom Hearts two, um, all the way through. Uh, That's impressive, Kayla. I know. I did, I did the same thing. That's no, I know. The funny, the the funny part is, I thought um, Brandon absolutely just hated Kingdom Hearts, and I'm like, no. and, and and it's like, no, he actually, and he told me he's like, no, I genuinely like it. I'm like, wait, seriously? That way, and he's like, no, it just makes you autistic, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and then it clicked, like, oh, oh. See, I I I I was a Nintendo kid, so I didn't have a PlayStation, couldn't do the Kingdom Hearts. When I finally played it, I just couldn't get that into it but i liked the music and uh i like stuff that has to do with disney so i gave it a shot and then the story got super super fucking convoluted and i just kind of lost interest oh you have no idea but it, oh I, I yeah love it how, gets really convoluted sweetie I, lo- I love how people think i hate things that i don't because i really strongly state my opinions it's like no i just strongly state my opinions <laughs> It's true. People people still think and like comment in every single goddamn UCA comment section. Why does Brandon hate David Lynch? Completely misunderstanding that I don't hate David Lynch. I actually kind of like him. He's a cool guy. He just made two bad shows, which is Twin Peaks season one and two. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh, and that's. And that's the thing, uh, that was something I learned very early on, like, knowing Brandon, because that, that confused me, too, is, like, why is he so, <laughs> why does he, he's so, like, intense about this, and then you realize, oh, no, 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 he genuinely, genuinely likes it, he just states it very matter-of-factly, that's just his personality. Yeah, King, Kingdom Hearts is cool. It's also yeah. awful. Um, it's, it's true. It's both. It's, it's both. I, I have a, I it have a love hate relationship with it. I really do. Like I love it, but I hate it at the same time. Cause... yeah, I, w- I wish we could go back to Kingdom Hearts one. You know when things were um when simple things were simple. And simple and clean. Clean. <laughs> yep. It's the way that you're making me feel tonight. It's hard to let it Regardless go. Regardless of warnings. <laughs> the future doesn't scare me at all. Oh, Lewis Roberts now. Norger and his friends went into town and sang a song about selling Kingdom Hearts dolls, I think it was. Yes, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> because the little girl made dolls in her spare time and she had to sell them. I remember those strange background characters. The company was so absolutely um, monotonous. They all wore some form of dark clothing and each of them were very, very tall. I mean... They were Allen height. That's how tall they were. <laughs> oh, a no. Moment, I, a moment of silence for our fallen friend, Alan Cheney. Oh, 
okay. Uh, he died actually, of alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually very excited because um, uh, I, I was talking to Chelsea and uh, I said, Chelsea, you're five foot nothing. And she says, yeah. Alan is six four. Okay. I am so taking a ton of pictures of you guys together. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be so freaking adorable. <laughs> You you should see. Uh, do you know about Alan's girlfriend? I know she's uh, imaginary and from Canada. Yeah, she's zero foot zero because she's imaginary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and somewhere Alan's listening to this saying "fuck you guys." <laughs> and that's how he'd say it too. Yep. Yeah, with the extra. But he said on the fuck. Um, I can remember how. They all had their faces covered up by hair or hats or veils. None of them spoke. None of them even sang during the course of the show. They just walked in perfectly straight lines, as if they weren't even part of the production. Anyways, this strange song about buying dolls. It had absolutely no life. But for some reason... Weird way to describe a song. Didn't they say Uh, it was a song about selling dolls earlier? Yeah. And now it's about buying dolls. Yep. It's just, it's generally about dolls' commerce. Yeah. It's just basic dollonomics. <laughs> dollonomics. But, God, now I feel like I've, I, I've entered my economics class, Jesus. Um, but for some reason, these children were putting their all into it. I could see the pain in their faces as they hit those high notes. That's called acting. And something else. As the lyrics went on, they seemed to get to dot dot dot, get dot dot dot, a little dot dot dot. It is so hard to explain. They all looked like they were dot dot dot, hurting a little. They looked so pale and nervous all of a sudden. Coming from a stage family, I convinced myself it was only stage fright, but it still made me just a tiny bit anxious. Again, it's acting. I it, It's funny because like, um, David actually is a really good actor, and there's been times no. we've done... No, it's absolutely true, because we'll do, like, role-playing, and he will get into it. There was, like, one time he was, like, giving, like, really getting into character and was, like, crying, and I was like, Hun, are you okay? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's acting. I'm like, Jesus. Granted, that was, the like, the best session of Dread ever, and you yeah, cut well. the tension in that room with a knife. Oh, but that Jenga awesome. tower got pretty flimsy. <laughs> I, I do like the, um... I, I didn't like where this was going, but then they kind of saved it with uh, coming from a stage family. I can I convinced myself it was only stage fright. Um, so I think that that's a good explanation. Yeah, because um, I was about to say, how do we feel about this paragraph? Because I'm because they started talking about the, the the company was also absolutely monotonous. I assume they mean like just the background people. Maybe. Yeah, I remember these strange background characters. Yeah. Okay, but so there's there's tall, veiled background figures moving around, and I don't know how I feel about that part yet. Like we get something disconcerting is happening, but I don't know. It's like it's like I I don't I, want there to be anything super obviously, hor- you know, lurking yet. I, I don't I don't think that there's anything really heavy handed here yet. No, no, it's not. Cause, it's not. Cause, it's, it's, but it's, it's towing the. It's getting close. Let, let's say that they they did something that's just kind of outrageous. Let's say 
Um, Blood spurt, hmm. splurted from this kid out of nowhere. Well, no, let's just say that they had a character that was at the corner of the stage. They looked perfectly normal, and they didn't do anything for, like, 20 minutes. And you're just like, who the fuck is this kid over here? That would be, like, disconcerting, but not... Uh, uh, creepy necessarily. It yeah. could mean it could mean something, and it could mean nothing. I think that having these guys and and the veils and everything, it could mean everything, and it could mean nothing. So I don't. Well, I, I you can still read this and have this hint of doubt that oh, it's nothing. Yeah, because they even say I remember the strange background characters, and that's what they thought of them as as their background characters, not like. They never say the word. They don't say the words. Yeah, wasn't it weird that these random people showed up on stage? Yeah. Hmm. I guess I'm used to this kind of stuff because I watch professional wrestling, and there's a lot of bullshit you have to take. <laughs> and, then, and at the end of the day, what is that besides this play as well? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, think about how many people must have thought Owen Hart really didn't die that night because they're just used to seeing outrageous things in wrestling matches. And then they find out later, no, that motherfucker's dead. <laughs> and they're like, oh, ooh. You, you, get, you gotta imagine how weird it would be actually being there and seeing it happen and then not getting it until later and being like, holy shit. <laughs> I retroactively saw a man die, basically. Didn't, I think Alan was there, wasn't he? Was he? I'll I'll leave like that story to him if he. I'll leave that story to him if. Yeah, I believe Ooh. so. I could be wrong. Oh shit. Maybe I'm manufacturing this memory because <laughs> I'm thinking about Candle Cove. Oh. And manufacturing memories. Anyway. I remember that. I remember that was a story that Alan told. Uh, <laughs> from the Testament of Carrie Laurie, 1921 to 1995. Let's see, how long is this one? Because I know we're going to get to the big one fairly soon here. Uh, the kids this one's all... fine. Hmm? Sorry, I interrupted you. No, it's okay. Yeah, uh, it's not that long, sweetie. Okay. The kids all got their money from this strange man in a cloak who sang a simple little tune. I still remember the lyrics. Despite the fall of rain, little kitties, everyone needs a little song. Wooden dolls give you pain, little kitties. Go on, little kitties, run along. His character... <laughs> My sanctuary. I, I, no, no, no. My you know sanctuary. Was, where fears and lies melt away. Hey, 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 hey. You know what I was thinking of? What do you think I was thinking of, David? Um, ain't nobody gonna come here and eat my plate, yo. Yo, what happened? My emerald's Easy. gone. No, no. When they keep, the fact this uh, this guy keeps seeing little kitties. Uh, no. I was thinking, uh, I my mind immediately went to Knuckles the Echidna for some reason. Oh, really? I, I thought it was a part where he goes, there you are. Come here, little kitty. Uh, I was thinking the child napper from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh. Oh, it's been a long time since I've seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You gotta understand. Oh, man. Because he said that, he's like, come on, little kitties. So... The child, the child catcher is buying the child dolls catcher, yes. from these kids. Okay. His character never really got explained. Uh, but I remember how truly gripping the melody was. So haunting, it got you right there in the gut. Even the little kid actors seemed a bit unsettled by the new turn of the show. They all kept stuttering over their lines as they spoke and sang. 
And then a light bulb over the stage went out. Everyone kind of gasped, and one man, I think, even laughed. The noise it made really spooked the little girl. Little Miss What's-Her-Name. All the names were so very strange. They all sounded like a group of, you know, 30-something sitting around a table rolling dice. All I know is that light bulb had gone out, and the actors were stumbling across the stage, and the whole thing looked like a terrible flop. Um, I only say this because uh, Kayla and I have been watching Harmon Quest recently, so it's on my brain. Yeah, um, we've, we we got role-playing on the brain. Uh, okay, so I, I, I'm looking up the names. They're hey, all Kayla? They actually are in Latin. Kayla, David, we don't need to hear about your role-playing. <laughs> I thought I thought people were deeply, deeply interested in our role-playing. <laughs> when the children re-entered the puppet shop, they presented Mr. Obsessor with the puppet pieces they'd acquired when the audience wasn't looking, singing a braggedly sort of chant, We done, we done, diddy diddy done 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 it, did it. It sounds like a rap. Uh, we done, we done, did it, did it, done it, yeah, bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you said the names are all in Latin. Sorry, I didn't want to gloss over that point. Yeah, because um, I was looking them up, and they're all yeah, they are all real Latin words. Um, what do they mean? Well, you're, guess what obsessor means? Uh, obsessor means. Uh, obscure. It, it is what? Obscure. No, no, no. no. Think of like. This is a creepy pasta. This guy owns a puppet shop. What is he most likely going to be? Oh, uh, it's like a like a puppet. No, no, no. Okay, no. You, just tell me. It means murder. <laughs> In Latin, yep. Mr. Murder. Mr. Murder. Mr. Murder. So, uh, trahunt means to draw or drawing out. Okay. Um, I'm I'm looking up what the others mean. Um. What is it? Adolbit is something like that. Because I was like, "What are these names?" And yeah, they're all Latin. Okay. Um, uh, Adolbit means fuel or heat or um, fire, like to burn. All right. So we got to draw to burn and mortar. Mortar. Which I assume means, like, to die or something like that. Let's see. Mortar means, uh, uh, actually, it means, I'm looking it up, um, yeah, to, actually, it means to, like, live out, or, yeah, it means to die. It means to, <laughs> well, I think we know who's going to get off in this play. <laughs> By it's Mr. going to be Officer Mortar. <laughs> yep, it, it, it's the verb. It's the verb of uh, I die or decay. Yep. So we know who Mr. Murder is going to murder. Anyway, it was obnoxious, but thankfully brief. The little ditty. After that, the light fixed on Mortar, and he began another tune. This song was a dud, and all I remember was that he flubbed the last line. The lyric had something to do with the final stroke of light or some sort of long-winded moon-based metaphor. All I know is that he forgot the words, and all that could and all that could be heard in that theater was the sound of car horns outside the building. That's a weird detail. The boy, he didn't seem shocked or embarrassed or nothing, but his posture improved out of the blue, and the orchestra stopped. He projected half of the word sorry, 
Then, suddenly, he burst into a wordless vocalization. The music resumed, and the other characters began to join him. Okay. And then the next year, the murder rate on Broadway doubled. (laughs) (laughs) Hide the puppet, eat the puppet, hide the puppet, eat the puppet. (laughs) Uh, From the Testament of Marcus Edgar... 1918 to 1968. So after the bulb went out, the whole set started falling apart. We, the audience, tried our best to ignore it, but it was nearly, uh, it was near impossible. I saw two sets of very angry attendees get up and leave. The set piece for the puppet shop screeched its way onto the stage, and we could see in the far back the paper sky background falling down. The lights went dim in what we assumed was an attempt to hide the malfunctioning set pieces. The kids, with the help of an oddly monotone Mr. Obiser, <laughs> monot- um, Mon- oddly monotonous, yep, monotonous, wouldn't have caught it. I can read that word, but I wouldn't have caught that I said it wrong if you didn't point it out. The kids, with the help of an oddly monotone Mr. Obiser, <laughs> constructed the puppet and this and the strange song played to this day i don't know what they were saying it sounded vaguely like latin but i went on to study latin in college the next year and found out to and found out that guess to come out flat what okay i found out that guess to come out flat i remember how it enchanted me though it enchanted all of us we began to feel this thing course through us. Ooh, sexy. I remember a few people around Ooh. us who were humming, who were giving hummers, who were humming in an attempt to rid themselves of the sound, and I could hear people in the front rows crying out in what sounded like pain. That is pretty effective, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an effective song, and it's... They listen closely in there. Um, that's arousing. I'm I'm into this. Um, I I don't think that's the right word to use. Is enchanted? I think because in the word enchanted, you think means like to enjoy, but I think when they meant enchanted, it means like to cast a spell. But it's I would weird. say transfixed. Yeah. Like, that would be it's a just, good word choice. Because the, the way it's saying is, like, it it made us feel like we, uh, it caused us pain, was basically what's going on here. Hmm. What like, kind of pain is it? Is it exactly. pain pain, or is it pain? It's Max Payne 2, the fall of Max Payne. <laughs> or Max Payne 3, the re-rising of Max Payne. Or Max Pain 4, Max finally takes pain meds and feels better. No, he starts taking pain meds in the first game by the bottle full. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Um, the actors themselves sounded as though they were about to pass out at any moment from the earth-shattering orgasms. They were <laughs> doing this odd sort of ballet, and they were tip- tripping all, o- all over themselves, and a few more lights started flashing and breaking. We all sat and waited for the song to end. When? When? 
I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't. How do we feel about this? There's one bit of logic that I've spotted. Um, it sounded vaguely like Latin, but I went on to study Latin in college in the next year. So if you went on to study Latin, wouldn't you not recall these characters' names and you could go back and be like, oh, turns out like one of the characters was straight up named Mr. Murder. They call me Mr. Murder. <laughs> I like killing people all the time. <laughs> Apparently he decided not to bring that up during his testament, but... Daughter, he didn't but, remember but, any character's but, name but, but Mr. Obsessor. But here's the thing. I You wouldn't have known that if I would have brought it up. So... No, but now that we know, like, our the author of the story clearly knew. Mm -hmm. And... Maybe they didn't, and it's just an insane coincidence. <laughs> that, that's one hell of a coincidence. Oh, man. Uh, I think you get the next paragraph, Kayla. Uh, unless we want to... Is anything else you want to address with this particular part? Because it's... I mean... I mean, do you find the ending, like, a bit heavy-handed? Like, like are, where it's I, going? I, yeah, like, where they say, I, I'm sorry, I can't, like... Yeah. Because it yeah. doesn't bother it bothers you guys? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I think I'm a bit okay with it because it's the fact it's a testament. If it was performative and it was well acted, I, I think I'd have less of a problem of it, with it. But it's reminding me of Candle Cove Tales of the Laughing Stock when the exact oh. same thing happens. And it was trite and stupid there. And I, I kind of don't care for it here. Um... Obviously, the story, no matter what happens in this last paragraph, will never be as bad as that story, because that story, on principle, is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the The reason I, I said some, in some cases, is there is one I remember where someone finds a, like, a used doll of Horace Horrible, and it has nothing to do with explaining what the show is. They just happen to find a used doll that was Horace Horrible. I thought mm -hmm. that that one, I still don't think it works, but at least that one wasn't trying to, like, jump the shark with the whole, if I recall, Candle Cove being real. Like, it was just as much of a surprise to anyone that they found this doll that reminded them of this obscure character from this show that they saw as a kid. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, they got, that, that would hint at the idea that it was real, though. Right. So. Yeah. Just make it, just don't do it where it's, where it's horrible. Tell your, tell your Candle Cove story without Candle Cove, because you misunderstand <laughs> Candle Cove. Yeah. But clearly Channel Zero also misunderstood Candle Cove, so. Anyway. And told people from the get-go. Yep, yep. And they were dumb. Hey, and they're like, you haven't seen it, it yet. And it's like, I have. Without having seen it, I know every plot twist. <laughs> Hey, it made, for, it. it made for a fun watch when uh, me and Slime, Slime Beast uh, watched it. So That was fun to watch. <laughs> but yeah, um, tell us about George Frank. From the Testament of George Frank, 1899 to 1999. Oh, he lived 100 years. How nice. Until he was killed by Mr. Bear. Bear. Fuck you. <laughs> the lights were going off and on. Or, fuck. <laughs> The lights were going on and off at random, and we were all praying the damn song would end soon. 
It had this force going with it. It was sucking us in. We could feel it. The little kids and the puppet man were dancing all around when, well, you see, I really thought I could do it. I thought I could do it. I was there in the fifth row. I so I saw, but but I can't. What? Oh 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 oh! Each one, it it basically it's a the whole lead up. It's like well you see I I really thought I could do it. I I thought I could do it. I was right there in this. I I can't. Basically it's another person saying I I can't explain it. So yeah. apparently, it's still building up to showing, no, this is going to be worse than you think it is. Okay. That whatever happened next is terrible. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. Yeah, that I, I know. The, pe- the I people think... in the crowd are being puppeted. So, so I'm not going to lie. This part here is kind of, um, y- your testament is pointless, George Frank. I'm sorry. No, because, uh, yep. Use, use all puppet. And I feel this one's really long, so I think we'll break this next testament down to popcorn segments. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. Yeah, same. From the Testament of Carolyn Mark, 1901 to 1949. The lighting was completely out of control. It was a mess. And that song, it was awful. But something about it, it, it was powerful. It had a force. I watched intently as the dancers began to skip around, and, and we... I thought they were the lights. Skip it, skip it. <laughs> the actual events of the final scene of Act One of The Puppet Master's Regime has been up for debate for many years. Not many people are willing to speak out about what happened on stage during those final moments. Many people believe that there is no actual record of an interview with somebody who is willing to tell the story. This is not true, as one testament survives from Billy Prescott, who was only six at the time of the show. At such a young age, one might assume he was less affected by what he recalls happening. Okay, so from what I get there about this um, narrator, uh, it, it's like they're they're writing they're. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Cause it's, weird I know- that, it's weird that everyone else got their own header, but Billy Prescott doesn't get his own header. Yeah. He just follows but- directly after uh, Carolyn Mark. Yeah, I think yeah. this is all Carolyn Mark like going ahead. But no, apparently Billy Preston, who apparently has the most prescient uh, information regarding this lost play, doesn't get his own header. What kind of fuck you is that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, Car- we uh, we only had one paragraph, and now we're off the mark. The Carolyn mark. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, you know, Carolyn was Carolyn would have been fine. She kept things simple and clean. But mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, I, what I was saying is like, uh, I think this story could have been tighter. If it was written more like someone was actually gathering information about this. Kayla, you know what? This is a college paper that someone's trying to hand to their professor and is half-assed. You're the professor. What do you think? I think, one, they rely way too much on sources without actually sourcing them. And (laughs) Cite your sources. Cite your sources, people. And also, there's not enough analysis in this. People so. would would um. And I know there's going to be some people who are like citing your sources. That's 
no, fucking cite your sources for real. If you fabricate fake sources and put them at the bottom and then have them be solid enough to where cursory inspection makes it seem like they're real. I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. House, that of Leaves the story. Does, House of Leaves does this beautifully. Cause, um, uh, basically House of leaves basically invented this. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, even though they even say, uh, there's sources cited, but, uh, it, there's, there's no proof of what this these sources are, but the fact that he cited them makes it feel like they're the story is real. Yes. Or like any time you get like in a book that exists in universe, like uh, I know first thing I can think of off the top of my head is the the two books that actually exist in the Harry Potter universe that uh, got written like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and Quidditch Through the Ages. They are making citations of things in that universe. That and they're presented as you know real books that exist in that universe. So of course when they cite other things and they actually have false or you know imaginary press companies that get referenced a lot, like you know see this resource, it makes the whole thing more fun. More you, you guys, you guys know what books I'm thinking about now, don't you? Yes. <laughs> what books are those? I don't know actually. No, <laughs> you fucking liar. I no, um, uh. Lusty Argonian Maid. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're sp- I was setting you up, David. You were supposed to say Lusty Argonian Maid, and then I was going to say, what? No. And then I was going to say the real-life Daring Do books. Oh. Because Fuck- Daring Do are fictional books in My Little Pony, and then they made them into real books. Wait, they did? God damn it. Yeah, you can go to the store and actually buy uh, Daring Do books. And they say that they're written by a real author, and then the author in My Little Pony as well. No way, really? Yeah. Uh, what was what was her name? The the author in the story it was like, A.K. Yearling or something like that. Yes. That's amazing. I didn't know they did that. Now that's actually really cool. <laughs> yes, A.K. Yearling. All right. The fact that I, I remembered that means uh, I've lost nine subscribers uh <laughs> no actually it means you gain 10 because no no, no I can you, you lose nine but then you gain 10 because <laughs> you got the people who are like oh god my little pony unsubscribe and then you got more people like they talk about my little pony subscribe subscribe so you it's get some like- people who leave going fucking horse cartoon and then a bunch of other people go fucking horse cartoon <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the uh, um, there's a jo- uh, from uh, damn it nostalgia critic where he's like every time they say pony the views go through the roof <laughs> and then they're just yelling pony 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 <laughs> and then the subscriber count gets higher and higher booty 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 rocking everywhere what are we reading what uh, was I was just a kid so. I don't remember much. All I can vaguely recall is that song. It just was giving me a headache. I turned to my father to ask him if we could leave. When I suddenly, I when sorry, when suddenly I saw the stage illuminate with this bright red light. The music stopped as one instrument after another died out, and swear I heard pounding underneath the stage. Everyone was questioning what was happening, even the actors. I remember that teacher lady being pushed through the door of the shop and then everyone else came flying in from offstage, toppling on top of each other like rag dolls. 
There were people there who didn't fit the design scheme of the production. Stagehands and technical workers, I assume now. I remember the little girl screamed at the audience, then ran behind the shopkeeper while other actors continued singing. A few people started crying right there on stage when suddenly this curtain came forward. This curtain came forward. Okay. Uh, it's hard to describe what it looked like. It was a clear plastic ball, and it came out, down from above. Several years later, I saw Carrie, the musical, on Broadway during one of the, its few runs. That thing that came down on the prom goers when Carrie was using laser lights to kill everyone, it was just like that. A bunch of set pieces from earlier scenes came down on the sides of the stage, trapping all the actors in the center. Then chaos erupted. Uh... By the way, so Billy's six in 19, or did they say he was six? How old did they say he mm-hmm. was? Yeah, six yeah. in 1934. So why, and then Carrie just came out actually not too long ago, and it was, I've heard it was a shitty musical, but that's not the point. How the hell did Billy live, Billy, at, like, in his 80s, is like, I went to go see Carrie the Musical. I found it, I thought it was a good one. Yeah, something's inconsistent here, timeline-wise. Yeah, and then Unless Billy Prescott is, like, super ancient, because he was six in 1934, so. But what a weird thing to say, like, several several years later. years later. This was in 1934. How many years is several years? You know, it's it's well, less than ten years, I would say, right? Well, by yeah. our standards, yes, but maybe, well, maybe this is why Billy didn't get a headliner because he's not credible enough. Yeah, this is this is the one thing. I mean, so far, I think this story has been pretty good in terms of like build up and like. I mean, there's definitely flaws, uh, of course, but this part is like a what the fuck? Well, I I can't say I'm not interested though. I'm actually curious what's gonna. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. The actor stopped singing, and they were pounding on the plastic wall. Then, for some reason, they began to back away, as if some unseen assailant were coming towards them. They fled back to the back to the back of the stage, all except the, uh, the little boy, the little boy who hadn't stopped singing. Then, amid all the screaming and crying and shooting, the Are curtains. She? Yeah, I'm like, what? Uh, the curtains flew out, and everything was in silence. Now, when they see the curtain, are they, they're still talking about that plastic curtain thing, right? Yeah, that's like pushing forward. Okay. What is the shooting? The shooting? Yeah. There, nobody was shooting. Yeah, that's... Hmm? No, this is confusing. Hmm. Okay. Um, it's your turn. Oh, okay. Due to that odd abruptness, the audience thought it was just a horrible ending to a terrible musical. We were about to get up when suddenly this curtain opened up again, revealing the stationary plastic wall, which was a single light fixed on the little boy, Moritur. He has called his way through the plastic wall, and we could see blood on his hands, but the way he looked... Oh, oh! I forgot about this part. This part's not that good. Everywhere you look, everywhere. 
There was there's some blood. There's some, some blood. blood. <laughs> on some clear plastic. Ah. There were strings attached to every part of his body. We could see all see his stomach, or lack of, anyway. It was like somebody had put a huge ice cream scooper in his belly. He was sawing all, sobbing, sobbing, sawing. Blah, blah. He was sure because of the ice cream scooper. He was mint chipping all over the stage, twitching and swinging around. It was a sight so unnatural looking, so painful and twisted and wrong. Even now I can't seem to wrap my head around how, but... And so, and so everyone looked at him not knowing what to do, and then he spoke. When people are, like, legitimately upset, that's not how they speak. Like, when people are shocked and traumatized, they don't trail off and just, like, start talking about something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) You have to be, like, incredibly mentally scarred to not even be able to keep a train of thought. Yeah, I just... But any anyhow, but and so everyone looks like no, you were you were trying to yeah you you had a different thought and then you went on to a different one. That's that's what it seems like. Yeah, yeah. People don't do that really, um, or, or they generally don't at the very least. Yeah. Um, help me, please. Help me was all I could make out. Then he vomited suddenly, uh, vomited and suddenly collapsed. The plastic wall lifted and lights came on. Uh, we saw the rest of them. They were all dead. Every one of them looked exactly like the little boy. Everyone had those strings attached, and we all watched all of them as, even the little boy, as their strings were pulled on, their lifeless bodies rose on cue, and they bowed. So, were they puppets the entire time? I'm really confused about what just happened. They were in puppets the entire time. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a regime. Mm-hmm. Think but about the, it. Think about it. But the weird, because it, apparently there's like this wall that's going forward, and they're all running, and then uh, see this. He, th- this thing was building to something, and then it went a different direction that doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, I don't it, know. It was it was building to um, some sort of supernatural control. Over the audience, I think, and that that would have that, that would have been great. Yeah, yeah, and and it really you could go extremely subtle with that, and it would still be effective with the way it was built up. Mm-hmm. Like the story could have built up to that point, and then oh, the play just kind of ended, and we all walked out, and we were like, "What the fuck? That was the play. What was that weird feeling we all had at the end?" Um. But instead, it's it's gone in this brutality direction that I don't think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, it's uh, funny, because I remember when I first read that, I was like, oh, this isn't too bad. I was considering... But um, then again, at the time, I was also skimming through a lot of these. So... I can't believe I... Like, now reading in detail, I'm like, oh, God. But that's the thing is it really did build towards something, and then, yeah. as we say, just shit the bed. Mm-hmm. I. I mm. there, there's more guys. By yeah, the way, let's see if anything gets cleared up because there's a few paragraphs left. Um, however, we cannot say be certain that this is a credible account, but unfortunately, it's all we have to work with. 
The Puppet Master's regime sparked horrible, sparked horrible debate among the theater companies. Several audience members had to be treated for special therapy for years to come, and the show itself was covered up by the police. For years to come, the theater company, as well as the police department, who had never managed to solve the gruesome murders of the cast and crew of the show, denied that the play ever existed. However, in recent years, the story has resurfaced, sparking much new debate on the subject. Well, what um, reason would the police have to try and silence this up? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Because if they, if they, like, there was all these gruesome murders, and then the police come in and say, like, we're going to get to the bottom of this. All this does is, is it makes the police department look good. But they have no reason to cover this up. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, we made this incredible drug bust. We need the police. We, we caught all these criminals. We need the police. That doesn't make any sense. The police would have no interest in and covering this up it's not like it's not like the people who were putting on this play were the government or something and then they're like doing the government's bidding or something yeah that doesn't make any sense i do like that it's uh saying we can't be sure that sure that this is credible yeah that they throw doubt on their own story Mm -hmm. but i think we we had a nice tight little butthole and we were going in and out of it and it was great and then (laughs) The butthole just expanded, and now, now there's it's just gaping, and it's serving no purpose. With all of this brutality at the end, Jesus. Some kind of extended butt metaphor. It literally an extended butt metaphor. Yeah. Uh, it's how, your... how disappointing. Yeah. Well, it's your go. Let's see what. We figure it out. The theater that housed the musicals still refused to acknowledge that the show, uh, the show's existence, and most theater historians know nothing about the show in general. To this day, the identities of the anonymous lyrics, the identities of the anonymous lyric, and music writers are unknown. And to our knowledge, all recordings of the song and police reports have been destroyed. God damn it! However. Well, uh- Okay, hold on. I think it could have been worded better because they could have said um, it's from 1934. If it would have just kept with the whole the the fact that it is an old product, uh, these things didn't really come to light. It kind of got disregarded. It would have been written better like that because it, it, it the fact that it takes place in 1934 and actually does work would works in its favor. But at the you, same time, it needs to. You know, I, it's. I brought this up when you guys were reading uh, Bishop, Bishop Selby um, in the comments. I said I got insecure and I put a monster in because I felt people wouldn't like the story unless it had a monster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened here. They put the gore in because they thought people wouldn't like the story. They they took the coward's route just as I took the coward's route. Coward's yeah. way out. He chose the. Cow- Words way out. Ah, I was ah. just gonna say that, David. <laughs> but so, yeah, I so, think yeah they had something going, and then I think yeah they went the gruesome route. So authors, um, you might not get as many readings made by shitty creepypasta narrators, but don't take the coward's route. Write the story that you want to write, and be true to the story, because it'll overall make a better story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this was um, this was. 
50% good story, and now it's 80% shit story on top of that. All right, go go for it. There's more. Let's However, those pieces of historical documentation, we can gather a bit of information about the production. The show itself had its workshop in London in 1982. One of the songs, Get a Puppet, was recorded. It's 1928. Vocal. 1928, sorry. Um, I'm particularly bad at saying numbers. One of the songs, Get a Puppet, was recorded with vocals by a 12-year-old, Garris Creeley. However, the recording has been lost, but is supposedly available in the black market of, uh, of the Internet. Other than that, no official records were ever made. Summation accounts say that it's an illegal audio taping of the final act of Act 1, final scene of Act 1, was recorded from backstage but we cannot be certain that this is anything but a rumor. Um, I'm not the most tech-savvy person in the world, but it's not too hard to get on the black market on the internet. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy. If you're willing to risk your computer, it's a pretty easy thing to look into. Yeah. And even then, there's ways around that. As for any official memorabilia, very little of anything has survived. Until her death in 1994, theatrical historian Gladys Masters kept two large-scale posters, which displayed at charity events, but these have since disappeared. Early costumes by Alice Lively, who had been the costume designer of the Puppet Master until she quit after payment disputes, are on display at the Pickett Donny Theatrical Museum in Dover, England. Other than that, playbills from its premiere night were given out, but most audience members destroyed their copies after seeing the show. Legend has it around 20, 10 to 20 survive. Um, I just want to say, I, uh, again, we're already past the point of no return, but I kind of like the idea, the detail about early costumes by Alice Livy, uh, P- Picket Danny. Like, again, the little microbial detail parts I like, like where they give like the factual stuff. Oh, but yeah. this It's already it's already too late. <laughs> it's already too late. Okay, good. Uh, just say the last part, sweetie, and then we can... On another note, over the years, the show has grown a small cult fan base, and here, recently, an off-Broadway revival has been scheduled to premiere soon. How? How, yeah. Yeah, I want to know how. If no one knows about this play apart from the... uh... Maybe it's like the um, Biggie album in, in the... And the Tupac albums that they came out with post humorously, where they just like take what they know and edit it together with bullshit. That's my thought. No, that's I fair. Think, I think here's the thing: it has a lot of great potential. Um, I, but I think you're right. I think he took the coward's way out and just went with the gore. Uh, but I think it could have just worked as like this play was very eerie and there was some weird shit about it. But and that alone could have made a really good creepypasta rather than, yeah, all of a sudden this great murder. Yeah, it's so frustrating. This kind of creepypasta of the month. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it deserved it. I. I agree, and I'm going to have to disagree with uh, with Bazo here, who, by the way, Bazo, thank you for sharing this story with us. Just because we maybe have a disagreement on what we think of the story overall doesn't mean we don't appreciate you sending it to us so we could read it. Um, started well, 
was interesting, fell off the stage, couldn't pick itself up again. Just... Mm. Could, it, could, it could have just been a bullshit fabricated Wikipedia article. And that's what it should have been. It would have been more interesting that way. There's so like the the premise is good and some and I actually like the setup of the play. That's good. There's weird off kilter details in there. Those are good. I just I'm it's, so it's, disappointed. It's not even good. It's it's, think, it's a great setup. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a fantastic setup, and I think that that's why I like I did when I read it first. I'm like, this isn't bad. Okay. Which is why but it's then, really unfortunate when it takes this turn that it didn't have to take. Just, and that's the yeah. thing. This is a great buildup. It just, I think the payoff wasn't that good. Posted by, uh, on, on August 15th, 2015, Ichi, uh, Ichi Nichan says that uh, the Puppet Master Place was done in 1934 and Carrie wasn't a musical until 1988. So there you Wait, go. Wait, it wasn't... Carrie was a musical in 19... I thought it was, like, in 2000, but... Oh, they probably probably redid it. That's true. You know what? They probably redid it because they came out with a new movie, didn't they? They... Yeah, there was a new Carrie, yeah. Maybe. Um, I will say that the author is credited to... uh, Hagen is not a cat. (laughs) That's the author's uh, credit. I'm looking at the history of the... Because the author's not credited on the wiki itself, but... You know, in the history of it, you see Hagen is not a cat. Posted it and edited it quite a few times. So it's safe to assume that's the, where the credit belongs. This person actually, I think, wrote it pretty well. Uh, it, it's someone called Silent Scorpion who wrote um, a comment that said, Honestly, this was kind of a letdown considering the premise. This had the potential to be an actual scary creepypasta instead of a OMG boy has no stomach OMG so scurry <laughs> one 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 the build up was a classic example of horror with a good story if such things exist which was ruined by an idea ripped straight out of Lavender Town Syndrome and then tops it off with some mindless gore this should join the likes of Jeff the Killer and Slender Man a true classic oh man yep. um and then the avatar for Silent Scorpion is Dr. Evil. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> perfect. Um, re- br- browsing through these comments, a lot of people are are giving it 5 out of 10s and 6 out of 10s, which I think is uh, fair to what it is. Pe- people are actually being pretty level-headed and not gushing about this story. Yeah, I, yeah. Would give, I honestly would give it a 5 out of 10 myself. I think it's all yeah. right. I just think it's there's a lot of missed potential. Agreed. The one that sticks out to me is is one from Ninjalet that says, meh, kind of bored me. The story has great, and I mean great potential, but it just fell short in it in so many ways. Kind of got the same feeling I would receive from a John Grisham novel. The been there, (laughs) done that kind of feeling. Would love to see you revisit it and see what you could do to make it a real classic. Five out of ten concepts. I I agree. Like, you could tell this person actually is a good writer. Yes. Like, I think there and this idea is actually really good up until the what is actually revealed. And honestly, I think um, if they would have made it just more creepy play and not have it be like like something that could be easily disregarded, but be like this was kind of a fucking weird thing. This would have been a great story. I would have. 
March 19th, 2004, we have a post by Lol Skeletons. Do, do we all know who Lol Skeletons is? Uh, Lol Skeletons is one of the admins, right? Admins at the Creepypasta of the Week, yeah. Yes. Um, he says, uh, I was actually going to disqualify this from Pasta of the Month. You can't alter polls once they've been set up without resetting them, unfortunately. But I couldn't really think of a valid reason to do so besides mediocre pasta. Oh, and that it was read by Mr. Creepypasta, thus giving it an unfair advantage. So there's that. Okay. So so he, Creepypasta admin, thinks that it does not deserve this either. Oh, wow. Uh, to be and, fair, uh, uh, Hagen is not a cat has responded quite a few times and is actually taking everything pretty much in stride. Oh, where? Where'd so, you find that? Well, um, underneath the lol skeletons comment, uh, Hagen is, is not a cat says a thing. Odd as it seems, I'd like to thank you for articulating the story's weaknesses. Truth be told, I've always been a bit personally disappointed with this one. It took me forever to finally listen to the MCP narration of the revival because, in all honesty, I don't think this is that great either. I certainly don't think it's awful, but I always pressed for time when i wrote these so the final product always seems a bit rushed but anyhow thanks for your honesty see now there's a good way see the author is open to suggestions for how to improve the work which is again right there on the cusp of being a good work and i think I, yeah and, and i think it, you're yeah. i think uh, you're it's, right it's not, it's not going to be hard to take this from five out of ten to nine out of ten right oh absolutely it just yeah. and i think it I, I think you're right, Brandon. Like when you said, I think he took the coward's way out, and yeah, I think I, I think he recognizes that too. So, it, and we've all been there as authors, right? Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, if I could go back and revisit some of the stuff I've written, I would, but I feel like they're kind of time capsules, and I gotta leave them be and accept the criticism that I did get from them. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like too, and this is actually really cool too, is a lot of people in the comments are supportive of the author too. They say like. Like, for example, Nuthgrush, who has an avatar of Hank Hill, <laughs> says, I'm glad you're taking... Smoking a joint. Smoking a joint. <laughs> I'm glad you're taking this in stride. To be fair, <laughs> it seems like most pasta narrators have pretty mediocre tastes, choosing only those which would be the most popular or generalized pastas. Like I said, you've got some interesting ideas. I'd love to see you revisit this and flesh out some of those, some of those out a bit more. By the way, I sell propane and propane accessories. Anyway, just thought that was um, cool. Like, yeah, that's, that's are, kind are, of... are we are we ready to put a nail in the story? Ready? Yeah. Uh, coward's way out out of really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of like pasta, this is like um. A chef who has a really good idea of to make a tasty pasta, but then decide he's like, I just use uh, store bought marinara instead of just try to make my own. It's like, but you, you, it was getting good. It, you could have made something great, and you chose to get store bought. <laughs> That's a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. I will give it a Muppet metaphor out of a puppet metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will give the story um, the bad dragon, dragon dildo, that is clearly supposed to be uh, of Toothless, but they don't have the copyright to Toothless out of Toothless. 
Oh. Oh, boy. Well, that was the Puppet Master's Regime. Again, thank you, Bazo, for suggesting this one. Uh, and I, I, I hope this gets re- revised at some point. I would be interested to see. Now, Bazo also said that there is this is only the first part, apparently. It's three parts. We may, I may look at this again someday to see. I mean, we may look at this again in the future because it might be worth noting to see if the author improved or took suggestions from um, uh, the critiques and and suggestions that were given. Um, well, uh, what is we, we want sequel? that. What's the sequel called? Is it called the revival? Because um, the narrator did say he's not extremely proud of that one either. Well, I think it's worth a look at least. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we might take a look at that at some point. Uh, yeah, make sure that you hit us up in the comments and on uh, Twitter to tell us what your uh, Kingdom Hearts sequel is going to be called. <laughs> That's your assignment. At, at hashtag KH sequels. <laughs> And don't forget, if you want to join in and be a part of the Patrons Poison segments, you just got to, at any level, uh, join us on Patreon. Uh, once you are a, uh, when, once you, if you, you know, donate a little every month, we, you, that, that's open to you. We look at everybody's suggestions and we take the ones we think are intriguing. We'll get to them all eventually. And uh, basically you can tell us what you want to have heard on Undercooked Analysis. Uh, thank you to everyone who's donated so far. Uh, thank you to um, I'm, I'm throwing a few thanks out there right now. Thank you to uh, Beth Morton for our awesome uh, logo for the show, and uh, big thanks to my co-hosts uh, Dead Palette and Kayla for joining me this evening. That was way too formal for this podcast. So why don't we talk about plugs? <laughs> anyone got I anything just, they want to plug? I just released. I am right now. Yeah, just clicking in the background. You might hear it. You might not. I am clicking to release a video entitled Lie, L-Y-E. It is an update of an old story I did, now with visuals. I think it's a cute little story. Uh, that's not really a story at all. It's more like a Wikipedia article like I was talking about. Is that the one with the fun little fridge horror element to it, right? Uh, it's kind of like that. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's about lie and its uses. Lie is very useful. And you can find that on deadpallet.internet.youtube backslash myspace. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about you, Kayla? You got anything you want to share with the, with the audience? Anything interesting coming to the artistry? Um, yeah, but I rather, um, I'll just keep that to myself for right now. Well, if you people... <laughs> Fair enough. All right. I, I, I'm right. To be honest, I'm right now in the midst of finals um, for uh, my uh, master's, and it's kind of kicking my ass. Oh, boy. So, um, right. I, I'm If I'm going to... <laughs> Ask people to do something. Send send me uh, um, send me pictures of bats and because I love bats 
and things that say, you can do it. You got this, Kayla. Send me some encouragement. Send send promotional posters of cute bats that are trying to motivate Kayla. (laughs) Perfect. Send Kayla pictures of gold bats. No! Send her pictures of gold bats because they're bats. They're bats that want her to get her goals accomplished. No, those are ugly. If you're gonna send, no, if you're gonna send gold me a bat, gold bats, gold bats, gold bats. If you're gonna send me Pokemon bats, send me Noi bat. Oh yeah, that's a new bat. That's a, that's my favorite Pokemon. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. <laughs>